Today, our webinar is about closing the sale. And Claire Laughlin is one of our own. Uh, she started her career in education over 25 years ago as an adjunct faculty member at several Bay Area universities and as an instructor for contract education at Ohlone College. After a few years, she joined Ohlone full-time as a program manager and served in that capacity for several years. Later, she moved to Cabrillo College and led their contract education unit for over a decade. During this time, Clara was responsible for building the clientele, designing, selling, and delivering the training and remaining fully self-sustaining. In June of 2018, Claire left Cabrillo to join a statewide consulting firm and to build her online business, Claire Laughlin Consulting. So we're so proud of her and we're um, happy to welcome her back to present Close the Sale, Bigger, Better, Faster. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Margaret. And thanks everybody for having me. I really appreciate it. I was uh, with you as a participant in the last monthly webinar where we talked about uh, generating sales, you know, cold calling and generating leads, which I think is wonderful and is all part of the process for sure. So now we're going to focus our attention on the, um, mostly on the latter part of the sales cycle. So let's jump in. And by all means, I've got chat open. So if you have um, questions, uh, we can certainly take them along the way. But in our hour today, my, my hope for this hour is that you'll be inspired at the end here to take a fresh look at your sales approach and to make just small adjustments that make a big impact on how you close the sale. So to be completely transparent, I've never really thought of myself as any kind of a sales expert, but in preparation for this meeting, I went back and I looked at my uh, 2018 and 2019 sales cycle, you know, um, kind of my metrics, and found that when I stepped back and I looked at it, I closed about 96% of the proposals that I sent out. So um, I do have a pretty good track record in that regard. I didn't really ever think that it was something particularly unique or special, but, um, but I tend to find that if I open if I open a deal, I can I can close it, which is nice for the most part. And there are exceptions, of course, but usually I've found that those exceptions have more to do with something that's happening on the client's end that is um, unusual or unexpected. So I hope that you know by all means, I don't feel like you know I, I know everyone in contract debt has expertise in this, so let's we're here to share and and this is just my best practice type of stuff, and I hope that it helps you. But to get started, I just <laughs> thought about this quote. It's uh, kind of interesting, right? If the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. And when I think about that, it takes me back to a time when I I shifted my sales approach and it made a huge difference. So I want to contextualize this a little bit by asking this question. I was wondering if you would be willing to talk a little bit about how you measure your sales success. Um, like name it. What is, the, what is the metric that you're using to know 
whether you're successful in sales. Would anyone be willing to speak up and, and chime in about that? Hi, this is Israel. The metric for me is very simple. Yeah. Do I get a contract or not? Okay. So are you measuring, um, are you measuring gross sales? Are you measuring gross revenues or are you measuring how many of the proposals that you close? Um, a little bit more deeper than that. Yeah, that uh, gross revenue and net revenue particularly because that's okay. ultimately what I need. Okay, so the, like the profitability measure. Okay, Hi. thank you, Israel. Appreciate yeah, that. Call. I just want to help you. I'm sorry? Oh. <laughs> Somebody's on the phone. <laughs> Anyone else have a, have a response? Well, I was just going to add that on our side, we also consider the number of overall students that you are serving yeah. in, throughout the year. Okay. Okay, great. That's lovely. I love that. I think for me, it's, it's whether or not we get the second contract. Okay. All right. Now we're getting there. <laughs> um, thank you. I appreciate that. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. So what happened for me along the way was this, and, and I don't know, I, I'm assuming again that I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because because I, I've been in contract ed long enough to know most of us in contract ed have, um, we're very lean. We have a lot to do. We're spread very thin. Um, and we have to figure out how to make a real impact with our energy. And so what happened for me along the way is that I was measuring gross sales, that that's what I was measured by the 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 final dollar value year in and year out like the most important metric was are you covering yourself and then beyond that it's like how much are you making and that makes perfect sense but there was a big shift for me and and this was it so where your attention goes energy flows and results show and i love that quote because it really says like where are you putting your intention um, your attention and then your energy to get results. So what I was doing is I was sort of trying to be all things to all people. Like if anything would come in, I'd be like, okay, let's go for it. You know, this is a potential sale. This is where my energy needs to go. My energy was just spread out all over the place. And I kind of think of it like this Jenga tower. Like it was just ready to fall at all times <laughs> because it was scattered and I wasn't I was doing a lot and I was trying to manage a lot of different things um, all at once. And so there was this time when I came very close to burning out or quitting and, um, and it was a real shift for me. So here's what the shift started to be. I started to consider how my metrics were really impacting where my energy was going. So if I'm going to maximize gross revenue, then something is going to happen. My energy is going to go in one direction versus... A piece is good enough. Oops, sorry. <laughs> versus maximizing revenue per customer. That's a different kind of a thing, right? So that's like, do we get the second sale? I think that's really important. And then I started to think about maximizing revenue per product. 
So we want to do a very quick little breakout and just have you guys chat real quick about how each metric might influence how you spend your time and where you put your energy. So these three, maximizing gross revenue, maximizing revenue per customer, or maximizing revenue per product. So how might these things change the way, the activities that you do in sales? Um, Margaret, how are you feeling about uh, creating a breakout room? Um, do you want me to go ahead and I'm going to go breakout room? Yep. Shall we move it down to um, okay. and do options? I've got move them in automatically. Yep. Three people per room, if that's okay. And let's do, let's do about uh, four minutes. Okay, and then we'll close it after 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay. And how do we start it then? I'm you sorry. Just, you just open the room. <laughs> and so no everybody, when, when Margaret opens the breakout room, you're going to be meeting up with other people. Of course, if you don't know each other, you might want to say hello and just introduce who you are and where you're from real quick. And then the question is here, how do these different metrics direct our energy? whether you maximize gross revenue, revenue per customer, or revenue per product. And what I'll do is I'm gonna go ahead and put that in the chat so that you have it right there, okay? So three, four minutes, four minutes together, and come on back with one person ready to just speak to it. We won't be able to hear from everyone probably, but it would be really nice to have someone summarize your conversation, okay? I'm gonna open all rooms. Okay. And rooms are open, okay. I'm going to join.
So some of us have left the meeting room. <laughs> yeah, I left it. I thought oh. I'd go back to the main room. It said nine. Here we go. We're going. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what's going? <laughs> and it will end automatically, so then we will have to go. I think. And Susie, sorry that you have to leave early. We'll miss you. Yeah, one of my other meetings had to get bumped up. Okay, I'm going to close all rooms, I believe. Maybe I shouldn't do that yet. They're still in progress. I'm going to close them. Close. I have to physically close them. That's what's going on. I should have been doing my four minute timer, I believe. There it is. There we go. Claire, sorry, I had my timer on, but I didn't realize I had to physically close the room. Oh yeah, that's okay. I just, I, I was just about to leave my room because I was like, okay, I gotta go check in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning, but this is fun. Had a great conversation though. I really, I, I actually love being in those breakouts because I really get, uh, I get some, some good connection time, which I appreciate. Okay, so folks, let me uh, let me hear from some of you. Let's let's just what, what came out of your conversation when you change your metric. What happens? Let's see. How about room one, which was Elaine, Annette, and Susie go first? Okay, we were talking. This is Elaine. Hi, everyone. We were talking about. Um, in, in essence, you're working with your clients, you've got clients that um, you, you have to maintain the relationship with them, you want to build in that relationship. We all know that a, a relationship that's in place, a client that's in place, is um, not so much that it's easier, but it's definitely uh, better to bring that forward rather than to always be out finding new ones, which is important, yeah. but you want to maintain those that you have. Um, we want to focus yes. on our big clients because there's substance there and there's potential for yeah. um, additional and um, capitalize yes. on what we do best. Um, you can't, cannot do everything for everyone. So what is it that you excel at and how can you bring that to yes. the table for your clients? And then finally, always to give them more than what's expected. It's one thing to uh to meet what it is that they expect you to do it's another to go beyond that and to give exceptional service that continues to bring them back well there you That's go points. <laughs> perfect thank you <laughs> spot on and uh and i hope that others of you have also had those same discoveries it sounds like from my breakout room i know that that these are things that are really important to us in contract ed we're working on with lean staff we're, we're trying to do a lot. And I was telling uh, my friends in my breakout, Israel and Jennifer, just about how, um, and, and a shared experience, right? How running around doing different things for different people every day, all the time, leaves you burnt out, you know, crazy tired. And, and unfortunately for me, I felt like I couldn't deliver the kind of success that I wanted to deliver to people. I couldn't, I just didn't have enough energy to maintain the sales volume that I wanted to have when my energy was spread really thin. Anybody else have that experience? Give me a big thumbs up if yes, you had that experience. <laughs> it's not really a thumbs up experience, but. 
Okay. Okay. So let's move forward here. You know that those metrics really impact what you want to do. And so what I did was I, I paused, I took a little pause. It was probably maybe a three or four day pause <laughs> somewhere in there. And I really got clear on my why, right? On like what I was best at, what my core mission was going to be. I was going to stop being all things to all people. And I was going to focus what kind of clients do I want? What kind of product projects do I want? What kind of training team do I want? And how am I going to bring those things together into a whole business strategy? And, um, and that to me was a real turning point. So even though that's not so much about closing the sale, let me say that that was what gave me the energy the energy because my meaning and my focus was sharp and the time to follow up and do the rest of the sales cycle properly. One of the big things that I have struggled with um, is spreading myself too thin. Anybody, anybody share that, <laughs> that, that dynamic, right? We spread ourselves pretty thin and um, we want to make sure that we have the time and the attention and the energy to close the sale and finish the sales cycle. So let's jump in and we'll talk about that. The sales levers that I'm going to talk about are three. How do you deal with your customers? Obviously, what is a few things about marketing? Okay, just a couple of things. And, and pro on the product side, we're just going to touch on that very lightly. But the customers, the marketing, and the product. So from the customer perspective, here's what I want to think about. You always want to be thinking about what is a win for your customer. And that's what we're going to go into. When it comes to closing the deal, I want you to ask different questions of your customers. I want you to fo focus your proposals a little bit differently. And that's where we're really going to focus. But then we're also going to tie that back to our marketing and we're going to tell their stories. We're going to tell the stories of our customers' success. That's a really important thing that helps position you as an expert who can deliver, even though you're actually telling the story of your client, not of yourself. Okay. And then we'll also talk a little bit just about on the marketing side, giving away the why and the what and selling the how that's really important. And of course, on the product side, if any of you have, have uh, interacted with me before, you know, one of my things that I'm, I'm a big advocate for is offering amazing value, making sure your instructors are really good and charging a premium for that. Not always being in the, um, in the quadrant of this, the, the revenue, you know, the, the charging um, cycle, I'm sorry, that's not top of mind here because I'm, we're not talking about it, but we don't want to be the low cost leader necessarily. I mean, if that's your position, that's fine. But for me, I, I wanted to be not the low cost leader. I wanted to be the, the great value, but in a higher price point so that I could um, do things a little bit differently. That was part of my own uh, strategy and still is. But okay, so let's talk about your customer first. What does your customer really want? This is really important. So I believe that our customers want real change. 
Now, sometimes they come to us with kind of this check the box training approach where they say like, well, I have to deliver compliance training for all my people. So that's what I want from you, you know, or, um, you know, I, I just have to get people trained up on this thing. So that's what I want from you. But ultimately I have, you know, putting myself in the, in the client's perspective, when I'm entering into a partnership with somebody, I want somebody who's going to deliver real change. And so because I want to know that the invest that I'm going to make this investment, I'm going to spend this money and darn it, it is going to yield results because if I'm signing a contract, I want to be able to turn around back to my boss and say, yeah, I know this contract might be a little bit higher than something else, but let me tell you why this is going to yield real results. And we have to empower our customers to have that language. We need to put that language right in front of them so that they can pick it up and turn around and sell it internally. Okay, so I, you know, I feel strongly that sometimes we end up working with people who don't, who aren't necessarily the final authority. They have to turn around and sell our product or our program to other people, and we have to completely empower them to do that. So we may not be dealing with the only decision maker or the final decision maker in some in some cases. And sometimes I don't know that for sure. I don't always know the internal workings of who they have to convince and how it's going to go. So every person, I have to empower them to tell the story so that they will make the case. And that has to be crystal clear. So that's where um, I like to put my effort. So think about this. Now, when I was at Cabrillo College, one of the nicest things they did, they, I just remember this being a tremendous gift they gave to me. They gave me a huge whiteboard <laughs> at one point, and I am a whiteboard fanatic. So I remember standing in there with all these colored pens and creating this, this cycle, and I, and I was brainstorming about, like, how do I really make this work? And, and then later I took this other course. I took this online course from somebody from this guy, Stu McLaren, and, and he summarized it in three simple steps. <laughs> so I'm going to use his version of it, but it was the same kind of thing. Basically, we get the sale. Okay, we have to ha get the sale. That's the beginning of the cycle. Then we get obsessive about getting results for those people. Whoever we have the sale for, we need to get results. We need them to get results, the results that they set out to get. And then our job is to tell that story, capture the story and tell the story. And we tell the story back to them because when we tell their story back to them, they will hire us for the next thing. Because the thing is, folks, we're getting results anyway. But if we forget to tell them their story and be like, oh my gosh, how great it was. You came in this way and then we did this and you got all these results. Yay for you. This is fantastic. You need to be celebrating these great results. And then what they do is like in their minds, they're like, oh yeah, you're the person that helped me get my results. So I'm coming back to you. So we need to tell their stories. And um, I used to do that in the form of, well, I still do, case studies. So I would say, can we build a case study out of this? You know, can we, can, can I bring, you know, can I interview you? Can we take some pictures? Can we tell a case study? And then you celebrate your success with this. And we were going to promote your success. And we're going to print these things in our brochures and send them out. And people love that. So if you can position their problem in a certain way and their uh, proactive 
approach and then the awesome results they got on behalf of their employees, for example, you've got a nice case study there that people are proud to, to promote. And so I want you to be thinking about whose story can you tell going into your key clients and saying like, okay, here's the thing. My, uh, you know, uh, this, this program that we did got real results and we want to promote it widely and where can you promote it as well? So partnering with them in that way. So to set you up for success in doing that, and I apologize, I, I wish that this was going to animate. It's not going to animate because if I animate, then I can't see all the chat and everything, which is not so good. But let me walk you through this slide. I hope you can see my cursor. The first thing that we want to be thinking about is what creates real change. Okay, so people will change when they are in touch with the pain of the current situation, when they have a clear vision for how they move forward, and when the path to that success is clear, crisp, clear. People want transparency with the path. They want to know exactly what you're going to do and they want to be walked through the path to success. This is called the success path. Okay. They want to know here's they, that they want to know, okay, my contractor, Claire, Claire understands the pain that I'm in and she understands the vision that I'm going for. And she's laying out the path for me. That's going to take me from a to B from B to C from C to D from D to E. Okay. So that's what we need to convey in our final proposal so that these proposals convert. Okay. So this is, these are some of the questions that I ask in my intake. I want to know what their pain is, what the cost is, what their vision is and what they've tried. So let's go through these kind of things in your intake. In essence, you're going to learn about the pain that they're suffering from now. You're going to learn about their vision and use their words and you're going to learn about their preferred path. And then you're going to feed that back to them in the proposal. Okay. And I'm going to walk you through that. But here's the questions I say, okay, so what's the issue or what's the problem? They usually call us for some presenting problem, some surface level problem, right? Oh, my supervisors are having trouble with such and such, or, um, you know, we need to stop this. Well, the, one of the big recent ones I had was um, we're having uh, harassment issues. But when we follow the line of, of these questions, we, it turns out that the program we developed was quite different. But so what's the issue? And then what's the rest of the problem? That's a really important question. So first, what's the presenting problem? And then it's like, what else? What else is really going on here? So you become kind of an investigator and you say, okay, so tell me more. What else is happening here? Um, what are the dynamics Who's involved? All that kind of thing. Then you say, what is the problem costing you? You want their language. What's the problem costing you in terms of money, time, and effort? And in, in the intake, you can be like, okay, so, wow, that's got to be, that's got to really be rough. What is that? What is that costing you? How much time do you think you're investing in that? How much effort does this suck up? for you, you know, et cetera. And then I ask them, how does it feel? How does it, how does that, 
how does that feel to invest all that? And people will tell you their words. Oh my God, it's so frustrating. Oh, it's, it's such a, such a drain on me, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to capture their exact words anytime you can. Okay. And then this is a great question. I say, okay, now let's just imagine what if you did nothing, then what? And that is a great pivotal question because then that is the, that's the converse side. It's like, well, what if we don't move ahead with this? And people will say, oh no, I, I just can't, I can't do that. That's not, that's not an option. And now in their mind, they're getting more and more committed to the path. Okay. And you ask them even to exaggerate. So, okay, let me just, let me just ask you, what if we didn't address this? What else might happen then? And then they say, well, we could lose people, for example. Well, if we don't address the conflict in this department, we're going to be, people are going to start to quit and we're going to have to start to replace them. Okay, so now this, this consequence of not acting is starting to come into the room and we want that. Okay, then you take them to a happy place. Okay, what would you like instead? What other good things would happen if this problem was solved? So if I go back to the supervisor thing, I might say like, what other good things? Well, you know what else would happen is that I would have a lot more time and I could think strategically, oh, that's great. That's a really good outcome. So capturing their words. And then of course, what have you tried so far? And, and this one, and what went wrong there? I would probably rather say, instead of what have you tried so far, I'd say, what have you tried so far? And what was the impact of that? Or how far did that get you? Or something like that. So that basically they can see that what they've tried so far hasn't worked to the degree that they want it to work. Okay. And then of course the path question is this, what's your timeline? Is there any seasonality that we need to consider? What are your schedules that are already at play? So I'm going to walk you through a couple of things here in the proposal. The proposal needs to be very powerful. That's key. So post intake, let's say you do that intake, you get capture all that data, you get all their words post intake, you follow up immediately. I always like to follow up with an article or a case study or something that gives them value because that positions you as an expert that puts you in that expert positioning place and it creates reciprocity so that they feel like you've given them something, which is important. I mean, I always hate to say that. It is a mental trigger. It, when it comes to sales, reciprocity is a mental trigger. I don't want it to come off as manipulative. I want you to come from a place of truly wanting to support their success. And if they never did anything else and they never even called you back, you've still done a really good thing. You've given them something of value. Okay. So sometimes you can follow up with a free guide that you have available or an article or a case study, like I said, from um, a similar or a different industry or a similar or a different problem where you can just say this represents something about uh, you know your pain and your issue or your vision or whatever this is how we we solved a similar problem for someone else okay okay so the proposal now look I I completely shifted the way I, I did my proposals and it it, it truly I think was the major difference. In my proposals, I tell a story. It's a narrative. It's not a step-by-step. -step. Now, when I looked back, I looked at like, okay, my old proposals used to start with me. They'd be like, I'm an expert. Oh, when you come to us, we'll give you this. You know, um, We have all this expertise in doing this, that, and the other thing. All good stuff, but you don't want to lead with that. 
because that, I don't want to go into the backstory on this because we don't have time, but that positions you, you as the hero. Don't be the hero. They're the hero. They are going to be this hero, heroic figure that identifies a problem and they come to you as a guide and then they solve their problem. So when I'm the hero, it takes their power away and we want them to feel empowered. Okay. So don't be the hero. Look at your proposals and try to identify language where you're saying, Hey, I can fix you or we're the experts or this is my story. You want it to be their story. So instead you take the lead and you say, Hey, I understand your pain and your vision. Here's how we can help you achieve your vision. It's a slight shift in your language, but it's extremely powerful. Okay. Now, so proposal part one, I'm going to lead you through the seven parts of the proposal. And I'm, again, you'll get this whole slide deck. So all this is there for you. But basically you want to position the client within their vision. Start with the positive. So you can say things like client is poised for success, committed to excellence, leading the way, you know, so here's a little paragraph. So Company X wants more than a check the box training approach. Company X understands that investing in their supervisors is the most powerful action they can take toward protecting their unique culture, preparing for succession, and stimulating employee engagement. So, right, you connect them to their powerful vision right from the start. This should come right out of your intake and should be their words whenever possible. Okay. Proposal part two, but then you contrast that to this problem that they're having, but make it, don't make the problem their failure, make it an understandable problem. So you can say like many others, or as is typical for a company in this stage of growth or due to external forces, right? <laughs> so, so again, the paragraph might say, you know, you're following up now. Okay. That said, Company X has also been hit hard by the global pandemic and is suffering from the overwhelm and lack of focus that has overtaken most of our workplaces, right? So you don't make them like out to be weak <laughs> or not good leaders. You position them as having a very understandable problem that most people are suffering from, but they are different because they see that they have a problem and they want to be proactive. Okay. After you say this is an understandable problem, you want to remind them of the costs. And here's some of the language you can say, right? Without a swift and effective intervention, company X is at risk of losing talent and the investment they've already made in training and developing their leaders. As the economy starts to revive, this will lead to considerable additional costs for recruitment, selection, and onboarding. In fact, the cost per employee for replacement is estimated to be a minimum of 30% of the annual salary for that role at an average salary of $100,000, retaining only three employees will more than pay for this program, supervisory program, right? This last part was something, was um, a transition I made, I don't know, about two years ago when I was asking, I was going into a company that was a client of mine and we had a great relationship, but I was asking for a big ask, a really big ask. And I said to my, and I stopped and I was like, you know what? I have to position these costs against something else that's really valid, reliable, and important. And this information about the cost per employee came right out of a very reputable source. 
Um, and so I, I picked it up, I cited my source, and I put it right into my proposal. And to this day, I am convinced that that was the reason that they signed off on a program that was triple the size of anything we'd ever done before. But I just basically said to them, look, if you, if you make two good hires, this was about hiring, uh, interviewing and retaining employees because they were suffering because they were hiring people and then they'd, and they'd go through the whole cycle and then the person would quit two months later and they wanted my help. And I was like, okay, well, if you get two good hires out of this, you're going to, you're going to totally pay for this thing. <laughs> and so uh, that, was, that was quite a turning point. So you put the costs right in there. What is the cost of not doing this? What is the cost of the problem? What are you paying for the problem now? Sometimes if you don't have an actual cost, you can just say the, the, the company is, is, is paying a steep price in terms of um, managerial effort, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Then you lay out the plan. Step one, we're going to conduct up to 10 interviews in order to understand the problem fully. So you've got to uh, make sure that you show them exactly what the outcome of each step will be, right? We'll present the plan. We'll pilot the program very clear and succinct. So they know exactly what they're opting into. Okay. Then we're going to, we're going to couple that with the impact. Then you can say interviews are the beginning of the change management process. The interviews will help us do what? Like this is just sample language here, you know, understand the inner workings, understand and plan for the dynamics that could lead to resistance, build trust with leaders, identify champions, etc. So the why behind why are we saying that we want to do this thorough needs assessment and there's a cost to it. Okay. All right. I know this, this is a lot of steps, but that proposal, the time that you put into the proposal should pay off big time. And that's why for me, I wanted to focus on bigger programs so that when I make this investment upfront, then the yield and the payoff is much bigger. So then in the proposal, you want the timeline and the next steps and you want specific dates. So instead of saying, hey, I'll give you a call in a couple of weeks and we'll talk it over, you know, <laughs> I like to say review and accept this proposal by June 1. Schedule interviews by June 15th, complete interviews by July 1, and pre present to the executive team in their scheduled monthly meeting on July 15th or something like that. So if you get, if you talk in your intake about timing and about seasonality or specific scheduled dates, this is going to help you with this timeline. So, you know, you're like, look, if they could commit by then, then we could be at this milestone at this place. And I want those dates right there in your proposal. People have to have a reason to act. Don't give them just kind of an open timeline. Like, well, we'll do it whenever you're ready. <laughs> which I mean, I've done it a million times. So let me just say I've done it a million times, but I've learned that you want to put in there the specific time that you want them to commit by and make it realistic, but put a time in. Okay. And then get it on your calendar and make sure you follow up. <laughs> okay. And then finally at the end, you want to re 